Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 9.06 the time. Final hour for us today here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Wednesday, February 21st, 2024 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Special financing available at Family Leisure. Currently 51 degrees, mixture of clouds and sunshine. We're looking at a high today of 73, then tonight 58, partly cloudy skies. 16% chance of some rain tonight, and then tomorrow should get some rain. At least it's in the forecast. 71% chance of some rain tomorrow, but the high, 69 degrees, and then it looks very nice for the weekend with sunshine temperatures in the 60s getting up into the low 70s for Sunday. It is Wednesday. It's time to talk some Grizzlies. Two watches, that's 12. Come through and slam on you. I'm in the It's time to talk some Grizzlies basketball. Joining Greg and Eli is DeMichael Cole, Grizzlies beat writer for the commercial appeal. Here's DeMichael with Greg and Eli. Of course, we talk daily about the Grizzlies, but on Wednesday, we get to talk Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole, Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter at DeMichael C. Have you had some time to get a little R&R in, DeMichael? Oh, for sure. Feet kicked up, uh, catching up on some little you know TV series and stuff that I like to watch. So, you so. <laughs> you're still written. I know you've written about the team. Obviously, you're still doing your work, but glad you got a chance to, to relax a little bit. So I don't know. What what should we expect? What what should fans expect the rest of the way this season? It's one continued development of the young guys, but I uh, I think you should expect to uh, yeah continued development of the young guys and see who else kind of makes their case uh, for a roster spot. This, this is kind of like open tryouts right now for me <laughs> in a way. Uh, Lamar Stevens has been playing good, you know, uh, three games. Uh, double-digit points, more than five rebounds. Uh, so is, does he kind of make a strong case for a roster spot in Memphis or, uh, or you know, uh, Yuta, Watanabe? Uh, the list goes on. Like, it, it's who who continues to stand out? You know, Scotty Pippen Jr., he's going to be out for a little while when he gets back. Does he continue to play really good basketball and maybe push for uh, the for the backup point guard role? Uh, next season, like I, there are some things to watch uh, from that standpoint. You you brought up Stevens, and he's a guy that I'll be, when they acquired him, I didn't know a darn thing about him. Uh, but he's been interesting. What what do you think his chances are of earning a spot for the future on this roster? Yeah, he's actually one of those guys I know from Philly. Uh, when I when I used to be out there, he, he's a Philly native, so uh, I, I used to uh, go to his uh, some of his. It's workout stuff with the trainer he used to work out with, but um, he he's a physical presence, and that's something that Taylor Jenkins, you know, uh, really likes. So let's go back to the last game before the All Star break. After the game's over, you now everybody's in the locker room, and, and you know, guys are getting out pretty quick. Like it's time to go, right? You about to everybody's thinking about their vacations and whatnot, and he's just sitting at his locker. And, I mean, 
kind of like not huffing and puffing tired, but you can like just relieve. So I go up to him, and I'm just like, "Yeah, you you did have to guard Giannis tonight." Like I I understand. Like that that's a lot of body blows. And then he goes, "No, nah, not not just Giannis." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you had Zion your first game. Like, yeah, that's that's probably two of the toughest ones you can get." <laughs> and he's like, "No, Sagoon too." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, yeah, I, I I forgot all about that one. Like you, Sagoon, Zion, Giannis, three days, four. I mean, three three games in four days. Like, so he gives you that physical presence on the defensive end that kind of the team's been missing a little bit. You've got, uh." You know, Vince Williams, Zaire Williams, uh, those guys are really good at guarding those quicker, agile uh, type of perimeter players. And he's someone else. He can put, You can put him against those brutes, you know, the Sagoons, uh, the Zions, uh, the Giannis, the guys are really just trying to attack the rim and, and get you out of their way. So he's given that. And then the scoring's been plus so far. He's another guy uh, so that's giving you some scoring off the dribble. Uh, he's getting to the paint, and I get using that size like he does on defense on the offensive end too. Yeah, really good size, six seven two thirty. He's just twenty six years of age, and has those few years of experience. But it is experience having played with Boston. But when, and I agree with you as far as the uh, assessment of looking at these guys and, and getting kind of a feel for them the rest of the way. I do want to ask you though about some of the walking wounded who will be healthy here soon and what may happen with them. But before I do that, I just wanted to go over over the roster a bit because while moves can be made and will be made in the offseason, we understand that. I'm trying to look at right now the roster and how many guys are under contract. Yuta has a player option, so I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have out there. I, frankly, I don't think he's that good a player, but he has a player option, so he could certainly uh, – sign on for next year, his decision to stay with the Grizzlies. That takes up a roster spot, unless, of course, you're, you're cutting players and eating up the money. Derrick Rose signed a two-year deal, so he's under contract for next year. What is is there anybody else out there? Who Are there any unrestricted free agents? Is Kennard? Kennard uh, is, a, is a team option. It's a team option for Kennard. Okay. So, I mean, how many spots would they have open? If if let's say they stay, they keep the um, the the lottery pick that they're going to have. They don't trade it away. They keep the lottery pick. That's one spot, and then the assumption is a center of some sort. Maybe it's the draft where they take the center, or maybe they add two. But if it's free agency or or what have you, a center is probably needed. I think you would agree with that. That's at least two positions. How many spots will they have open? Do you believe? Yeah, you see, you're, you're kind of uh, in my in my line of thinking here. And the way that I look at that, uh, Greg, is from the standpoint of uh, it's they're telling you what they're going to do without telling you exactly. <laughs> like, it's one of those, the actions uh, will show for the word. And in this case, uh, it is a roster crunch, but it's a one where you pretty much know if a move is to be made, which contracts are going to be nibbled and dabbled here. So uh, the easy answer to your question about roster spots is two, right? You, you you only, like, the need, you have to address. You have to address the center spot. You have to uh, address the draft pick. First-round pick is an automatic guaranteed contract, which means an automatic 
a spot on the 15 man roster. Mm-hmm. So those two spots have to be automatically addressed. But as you kind of alluded to, when you look at the roster, uh, there are many more guys. Uh, whether it's Derrick Rose, he's on a minimum. Yuta Watanabe is on a minimum. Yes, Yuta has the option, but if he says, hey, I'm going to accept my option, it's it's nothing for the Grizzlies to waive him. Mm-hmm. It's a minimum. You know, yes, it, there will be some financial Im- implications, but it, it won't be as big as potentially waiving someone like a Zaire Williams right. or something. Right. You're, you know, cutting six, seven million dollars. Uh, so I think that's the, that's an option. Like if, if they say, hey, there, there are a couple free agents that are really interested in playing with the Grizzlies and the team wants to pursue them, uh, you know, letting go of a Utah, maybe even letting go of a Derrick Rose or whatever the case may be. Uh, those are options on the table. Another option, this is the option that I've kind of, uh, you know, that I think that's more likely of the two is a potential trade uh, with other players involved. Uh, you know, like I said, Luke Kennard has a $14.7 million team option. It makes no sense in the world for, to me for the Grizzlies to just decline that option. Because yeah. he's a valuable player. If, if you don't, if you think, hey, yeah, we don't want to pay him close to $15 million next year, there's your, there's your best, one of your best trade tips right there. Uh, there are a bunch of contenders out there that say, we, we would love to have a career 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Uh, so, I look at it from the standpoint of they if if they need to open up a couple rock spots, they can do it easily. Whether that's through waving guys, whether that's through potential trade. I mentioned Kennard's name, but you know, Zaire Williams is another like summertime trade potential candidate. Uh we'll see what happens with Jake Laregan when he gets back soon. And uh those are some of the like they can move reshuffle some pieces around to, to create that roster flexibility. You you mentioned the first round draft pick and the center as two roster spots. Could that be one? Could they get the center through the draft? Yeah, yeah, it it, it very well could be. But um, the way it's safe enough, I mean, it's we got a lot of time to go. You know, there's been hundreds of cases of where guys kind of make a name for themselves in March and just mm-hmm. jet up uh, the draft board. But as it looks right now, the group are in that seven range. Six seven five six seven. Uh, Alexander Starr is the only true power forward center in that top five. After that, you got to go down to most mocks. Got Kyle Filipowski um, out of Duke, seven footer in that ten to ten range, eight nine ten. Basically, my point is where the Grizzlies are picking right now. They either they could either trade down and still get their guy, or they'd have to trade up. Uh, but staying pat, you'd be, in my opinion, uh, reaching a little bit. And I'm not comfortable reaching for it. Like, yes, it's a need, but if you're telling me, like, for example, Ron Holland, if he's on the board at 6 or 7, and he's averaged, what, 20 points a game right now, over 19.5 points a game with the G League Ignite, and you say, eh, we're going to pass on Ron Holland uh, because we have a lot of good guards, and we're going to we're going to reach for Donovan Klingon or Kyle Filipowski, even though we can get them three or four picks later. That's not good draft procedure to me because uh, yes, you have the depth, uh, but yeah, you still go get Ron Holland because guess what? Even if he doesn't 
quote unquote become you know a big piece of your team. Now you have a tantalizing trade chip yeah. where if you know one of these bigs, you know, if Carl Anthony Towns or something gets frustrated, I mean, I'm just throwing out a name, you know, not literally Carl Anthony Towns, but if a really good big man gets frustrated in situations, and as we know in today's NBA, it can happen at any day, at any time. <laughs> Uh, you have the ability to say, hey, we got a guy, Ron Holland, who potentially he's kind of uh, trapped between all these other guys, but he can go star on your team, and and that could be a perfect situation for someone else. So I'm all best player available, and I think the best player available doesn't fit where the Grizzlies are drafting right now. So, uh, yes, in theory, like, I agree with you, uh, Eli. They could they could get that player and knock out two birds in one stone. But I'm more of the thought of go get a veteran center if if in the draft you you the position that you're in uh does not uh have a best player available center. You could always move down. You could always move down, pick up another asset, maybe a team uh covets a player uh, more than you do. You can get assets for that plus be in a position to take one of those centers if you want to, and that center may not be ready to go to start the year. That may be a center that you're you're going to put on the roster, but somebody that will be eased in, and you go out and get a veteran journeyman center. Or you may make a play for a better veteran center out there as your go-to big guy for years to come. I've heard the name Wendell Carter Jr. out there, some other names. What what are the opportunities you think that that will uh, – that something like that would come up for the Grizzlies to make a move, to make a deal, to bring in a guy like that. Yeah, that's that's a possibility too. Um, but I think like well, Wendell Carter Jr. You, you look at his contract; uh, it's very similar to Brandon Clark. And if you combine their contracts, uh, you're, you're going to be giving out what twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty million. And personally, I'm fine with that. But you have to ask yourself, are the Grizzlies yeah. fine with paying $30 million at the center position on top of their financial commis- mm-hmm. commitment Yeah, at every other spot? I mean, every every other starter's getting $20 million at least. Uh, so that is going to be, you know, a huge commitment for them. I I am of the, the thought, as I've said, like, his backup, Gogo Batase. I mean, you got to remember, when Wendell Carter first got back, you know, from his injury. What, it, it wasn't just some foregone conclusion. Now, oh, yeah, he's just going to jump right back in the lineup because Gogo was playing so well on the defensive end. And, you know, his role, he didn't have to score much because of Franz Wagner and uh, Paolo and Cole Anthony and all these guys. Like, he didn't have to score that much. He'd just be a great defender, rebound, and make the make the shots that you're supposed to make on offense. And that would be his role with the Grizzlies. Yeah. I think he makes a lot of sense as a low-cost option that could could move the team, you know, marginally. Uh, but, yeah, you still got to consider uh, that Brandon Clark's contract uh, is still on the book. Um, I'm not sure how much money the Grizzlies want to commit to center because at the end of the day, they're not one of those teams that's going to be asking the center to score 20 points. Right. It's not going to happen because – you got three other guys in the lineup that are, that are going to be able to do that. No, I understand. And personally, I don't mind spending Bobby Perra's money. I, mean, I got no problem. <laughs> what What is is Aldama next year the last year of his rookie deal? 
yeah, he, him and him and Zaire are on the same same timeline. Like, so, uh, but but the thing is, you know, it's a that's another guy we haven't talked about it enough. Like at some the point, they're, they're going to probably extend him, won't they? I don't, I don't, not at this point. I don't think so uh, because he, he's got to prove it. But that's that's what that when we talk about what the rest of this season means. And we're talking about the guys who are on expiring. Like, you know, uh, we talked about Lamar Stevens earlier. You and those guys. Santi is one that's really got to prove, you know, what he brings. Like, I, there's value there. Like, people got to remember when, when the Grizzlies went from Santi to Kyle Anderson, it wasn't just for a clean, oh, we think this guy is better than this guy swap. It was the Grizzlies needed shooting. They just didn't have enough guys. Who you throw it out there, they shoot the basketball. And Santi's definitely giving them that. Like, they were right. But we still haven't seen, you know, like teams have caught on. The book is out. Now teams, when they play the Grizzlies, and it's supposed to be two big lineups, right, when you go with Santi and Jaren. But teams are comfortable playing small ball, having like a, a Kawhi or a Paul George or an undersized four, and say, hey, you guard Santi. He's not going to. Yeah. You know, dump with you on the block. Like, we're fine, man. And it's working. So, Santi's got to get stronger. He has to be more of that physical presence, I think. And this is my thoughts, just in terms of him to be that long-term uh, piece. Because, uh, yeah, when you get to the beginning of the next season, the clock is going to be ticking. Uh, for players on their rookie contract, uh, they'll, they'll have extension talks, and we'll see what happens right now. I'm of the thought that eh, you, you probably lean toward not extending him because he'd have to. Because at the end of the day, he'd be a restricted free agent out there yeah. anyway. So uh, you still kind of control his rights from that standpoint. That's a fair point. Yeah, that, that makes really I was thinking that they might do it this offseason. But yeah, that certainly, yeah, you can let him get into restricted free agency and, and be fine with that. Sure. Before we let you go, DeMichael, all right, you talked about what you think the team's going to do the rest of this season. But you do have. Des Bain, Marcus Smart on the mend. You do have, we saw the videos of Brandon Clark looking pretty good uh, down in Turks and Caicos with Jaron Jackson Jr. working out. Do we expect or do you expect to see these guys at some point the rest of the season, You know, whether it's just a few games or even for the bulk of the rest of the season? I do. I, I do. And and here's, here's my thing uh, pretty much with it. Everyone – you know, has has their opinion on how the Grizzlies should handle this. I completely under I completely understand the idea. Hey, shut down the main guys. You know, let these young guys get a lot of run. As I mentioned earlier, kind of like an open trial type vibe. Like, see what you got in these guys. But me personally, I hit it from a different angle. Uh, my thought process is the fact that hey, if you can get Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark. And Marcus Smart on the floor with Gigi Jackson? Because think about it. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen those guys on the floor extensively, at least. We've seen it in stretches with Vince Williams, but not for a long period of time. I want to see those guys on the floor with those players, and I want to see them on the floor with a guy like Lamar Stevens. Remember, one of his best attributes on offensive end is he's had the ball in his hands and be able to show some of that creativity. Well, guess Mm -hmm. what? When Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart on the floor, you're not going to have the ball in your hands as much. So can he still be valuable? Because guess what? There is a possibility that these guys look really good right now. Then you get on the floor with Desmond Bain, 
and you don't look as good, or they look even better. Yeah, but will like, Stevens even play with those guys? If like, let's say it, they kept him, would he even be on the floor at that time? I mean, that it, it's a possibility because still on the wing, you could you still lack that six seven two thirty physicality guy who can play the three play the okay. four. Like he has that positional versatility where he could be valuable. I think. But yeah, I think you play those guys. Not every game, of course. You shut them down at some point, but I think they should get some run from the standpoint of you want to make sure, like you like what Lamar Stevens is giving you right now. You want to make sure that that he can fit, you know, uh, with those with some of your key contributors. Yeah. Is it, I mean, with Stevens in the line, like you're hoping he's the better version of Roddy. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm. Saying. I mean, like he's the physical the bigger player. that could play that, and and yeah. you're hoping he's just the the. More mature version of David Roddy and better. That's that's exactly what I'm looking at. Like you, you think about it. Go back when uh, Kleiman and uh, Jenkins were talking about Roddy when he first got here. This idea of him, you know, being this four who can, you know, move well, but also be able to hold his own in those physical matchups. They even hinted at maybe some small ball five for him, and that's kind of what you're seeing with Lamar Stevens. I mean, like I said, he's guarding Sagoon. Uh, Zion Williamson and Giannis in his first three days on the job. Like so, yeah. yeah I think he he's that Roddy replacement in a way who kind of gives you something on offense, a little bit more on offense. Well, so you're far. also picking up Gigi Jackson now. Gigi Jackson's in the mix now for next season yep. with what he has done. And you know what's interesting? You mentioned all those combinations that you want to see because they haven't played together. They're going to go into next season once again, <laughs> like they did this season. With Ja and Marcus Smart really not having played much together at all, so it's going to be all new again next year. You just hope, you know, God willing that they're healthy and the uh, the NBA uh, basketball gods don't uh, deal in this type of hand again next year. He is the one and only DeMichael Cole, Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Read him at the CA. Follow him on Twitter at DeMichael C. Catch him every Wednesday. With the great insight, talking Grizzlies with us right here on Sports 56 Mornings. Michael, thank you so much. Always appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. I'll catch you later. You too. Good, good stuff, man. He's really, really good at what he does. Corkies, they are really good at what they do as well. And that is make that delicious, slow-smoked barbecue. They've been serving it up for 40 years. Just about 40 years, four decades. And they've been catering the entire time as well. So you got an event coming up? You want it catered? Contact Corky's, whether it be the pulled pork, the ribs, absolutely delicious barbecue nachos. Love the cheese and sausage plates. You can go outside the barbecue family. You can go hot wings. You can go tamales, even burgers, amazing desserts as well. They're located at Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Olive Branch, you can reserve their private party room. You have a little graduation party this spring. You're thinking about a birthday party, a little get-together, a little family reunion. You want to have it at Corky's? Well, they can host it for you at the Cordova and the Olive Branch locations. Just contact them to find out their availability. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ.
Now back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. 9.32 the time. Final half hour for us here on Sports 56 Mornings. The, um, I had a couple of texts on the Tigers. We were talking about them earlier. David Texan says, we haven't lost a game yet when Penny plays the players who care. Do we know who those players are? Uh, it is a true statement, I guess, um, theoretically. When he plays only the players who care. I because assume it, because the, it hasn't happened the, the players who have cared have played, but they haven't been the only ones who have played. And I uh, don't think they'll be the only ones who play tonight or at any other point. Do you think in there, the future? Do you think there will literally be players that are part of the starting lineup slash rotation that play every game basically unless they're hurt that will not play the entire game tonight? No, I don't think there's going to be much of a change at all as far as minutes are concerned. Again, there might be a couple of different guys that start, but it'll be the same thing as last time. They'll be in the game in three minutes and probably play their normal minutes. Now they care. No, they don't. In three minutes, they learned. And and that's why I don't... And that's why I asked Andy Borman that if... I, I, I still don't understand this whole thing of... Like, why now is it the point where you say... We're only going to play the guys who care. You didn't think of that in the middle of the four-game losing streak, or like what? Like why didn't it happen before? I understand it when you were tenth in the country and all that stuff. Okay, like we're by the way, but that four-game losing streak should have been a moment there. Do you say you know what? We're going to get this message across right now. Like we're going to we need to nip this in the bud again. Because we're losing, but I, I just don't understand that. I don't. I don't like what makes now that point. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. But why do you even say it now? Yeah. When you why didn't you say it after the three losses before? But isn't it simply a bonus if they care? I'm not talking about overtly. I, I couldn't care less about uh, the city of Memphis and all. No, I'm talking about if they come out and they're real vocal about it and really want to play for this city, even though I'm from Cheyenne, Wyoming. That's great. That's a bonus. When I think about who really cares, I'm talking about those that are willing to give their sweat, blood, tears on the floor every single game. To me, I don't care if that player loves Memphis, has opened his arms to Memphis, cares about the future of Memphis. I, I really don't care, as long as he's not saying anything negative, as long as he's playing his tail off on the court. That's what I'm well, looking Well, that's at. what they want. That, no, that's he, what they're talking well, about. Well, yeah, but he's come out and said that they don't... He talked about the city, the program, loving that. Well, yes. I mean, the if you are really invested in the program, you're going to play harder for that program. No, no, if you're invested in yourself. No, yeah, but if you're invested in the team and winning and losing and still invested in yourself playing the best you can play within a team concept, it doesn't matter if you care about whether people care about you in the city, whether the city will embrace you, whether down the road you'll come back to Memphis. 
that doesn't really but matter. That, that's not again. You're, it seems like he, that's what he's he talking wants about. the people who will play hard. And his thought of that is, if you're invested in the program, you're going to play harder and for the team instead of playing for yourself. He wants people who are going to play. It's the whole thing of the name on the front of the jersey versus the name of the back of the jersey. Right. Blah blah. If you're playing, if you're really invested in the University of Memphis and this team, you're going to play harder for the team. See, I think it's a difference. Invested in the team and invested in the university and the city are two different things. I think the most important thing, and maybe this is what he's talking about, but he hasn't always been, um, what he has said has not always been easily understandable when he's come out and said, you know, playing for the city, playing for the program, playing for the, to me, as long as you're playing for the team, as long as you are doing everything you can, whether it's, you know, at the beginning of the year, wasn't it uh, pretty quickly into the season, Caleb Mills said, hey, I'll come off the bench. He puts up his arm and says, yeah. If that's the best thing to do for the team, I will do that. That type of commitment. As long as those guys are all bought in with the team concept, then you're fine no matter what they think about the city. But the thing is, they have a lot of guys. I don't know if there's a lot of guys, but there's some guys on this team that don't care about either one. They don't care about really the team winning or losing. They care about themselves, and they couldn't care less about the city. They're zipping in and they're zipping out, and that's going to happen a lot now with the transfer portal. But are they bought into the team itself? And here we are this deep into the season, and according to Penny, there's guys that are not bought into the team concept. Yet they've played. They have played and continued to play. Because they're, you would have to think, are the more talented players. When he talks about being bought into the team, I don't think he's talking about Ashton and Sharon Font and those guys. He's talking about a couple of guys that are in the starting lineup that probably will not start tonight. That's what I'm guessing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, if it's if the guys already aren't playing, it doesn't matter. Well, I meant sparingly playing, but yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't, who cares? But then he is playing the guys who care, but that's clearly he's talking about guys that are playing, who have played, who don't, who aren't bought in. So he's, now he's, according to him, again, we'll see who he believes are the guys bought in, because that's the only ones that are going to play. But again, I believe that'll probably be 10 guys, the same 10 guys who have played before, so there will be no changes, um, and you're still guessing as to who the ones that are actually bought in. And the other thing, like, okay, because Andy Borman brought it up, and I'm not, this isn't anything on Andy, because Penny brought it up the other day and everything else. Is Caleb Mills a loss to the team? Yes. Let's not act like Caleb Mills is an all-American. I said that. Like, guy. Right. We're... I mean, come on. If at the if, if if the beginning of the year, if if Caleb Mills is this important to the team, then they were completely screwing up with Caleb Mills. He should have been playing thirty five minutes a night because if if he's that important to this team, y'all should have been playing him way more. I mean, he's playing he's playing the fifth most minutes on the team and averaged seven points and a few assists per game. Like, let's not act like the loss of Caleb Mills is the reason that this team is here. And I, I you know. Oh my and, gosh, and I, how are we supposed to do anything without Caleb Mills? Yeah, and I've kind of alluded to that, and I would bet that he's probably not in the top three or four with uh, NIL. I mean, there's guys that are going to, certainly they're making more money, to, and that doesn't always mean they're the best players, but usually they are deemed the most important players to have on your roster. Caleb Mills is a loss. There's no question about it. More from his leadership, and he he's a quiet guy too. They just don't have that, that dog out there as a leader, but Caleb Mills is a loss. It's not a loss that a team that is supposedly this deep can't overcome. Yeah. You might lose a game here or there. 
They've lost six of nine. Is he that good? Did he mean that much to the team? If if he is, then what it tells you is that this team by no means was as deep as we thought it was. Right? If they can't overcome a loss of Caleb Mills, which they haven't been able to do, then Again, they if, weren't that deep. If, if he was this important, then he should have been starting and playing 30, should have played 40 minutes a night. Like if if he takes you from top ten in the nation to this, I think his I think his leadership. And again, he played in the I Vanderbilt think, game. And right, they, they could have easily lost to Vanderbilt at home. So I think it's more about his leadership um, as a as a guy out there, a floor leader for Penny. But yes, that's and, and Andy said they can't use it as an excuse. No, no. Like I said, if there was a game, maybe that well, you generally need, anytime somebody though says we we're not going to use that as they're, excuse, they're using it, it meant as they excuse. just made an excuse by using it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Just like when you say to somebody, no disrespect, but you're probably about to disrespect them. That's true. <laughs> like it just is. Uh, I I buy into, you know, could there have been one of those games down the stretch where maybe he's out in the perimeter because he's a better defender on the perimeter than probably anybody on the team that he could have made a difference. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a game. But they've lost six of nine. So it goes beyond Caleb Mills. It goes beyond the Jordan Brown saga. It goes beyond Naquan Tomlin and his midseason arrival. It goes beyond the NIL and are there differences uh, between the players because of what one makes and what one what what doesn't uh, one doesn't make is it? Uh, it's all of these things combined. It goes beyond all of those, though. Andy did say that it wasn't a problem with the interpretation of how the defense is being taught. Which, you know, I've been to a few of those practices. I'm I'm still a little confused about that. I still think they are a little confused about what they're trying to do out there. But he made a great point. If you're going to throw zone in there, zone's a little bit more complicated than just guarding a man. But the problem has been not that they just guard a man. They don't strictly play man-to-man. They play trap and help defense, meaning they double guys. And when they double guys, that leaves somebody open. And usually it's somebody on the perimeter because teams are pretty good in passing the ball and getting it out of their hands quickly. Because there's not a lot of teams that just have guys that are going one-on-one. They don't have a David Jones who could still score 33 going up against two defenders. But when they get it, they pass it around the perimeter, they get an open three. Some teams are not good three-point shooting teams, but somehow they find their way. Other teams are. And Memphis has been incredibly consistent in a bad way in not guarding that perimeter because of that that herky-jerky trap defense, which has not worked. Uh, Raider Corey says the Caleb Mills excuse is just that. Uh, excuses and complaining are like rocking chairs. You're saying and do something, but your butt ain't going nowhere. Yeah, again, I get because I, I didn't Penny. Was it Penny after the last game that he brought up the Caleb Mills thing? It's after these one of these last not, two losses. Not the SMU. He brought up he brought think. up Caleb Mills. Maybe I know North Texas. Like I think he said some kind of something like the Caleb Mills law. You know the, yeah. the loss of Caleb Mills was more bigger than we thought it was, yes. or something I like that. I think it was North Texas. Maybe SMU, but yes, in the last two games. I mean, again, but yeah, that's in the end. That's you're making excuses, right? <laughs> that's not, what that is. Nothing else. I mean, yeah, maybe it is bigger than you thought it was. But that's – you're losing to – like these teams that you're losing to, I don't care whether you had – nobody at the beginning of the year would have like, thought like, oh, my gosh, what would we do if we lost Caleb Mills? If, if Caleb – We'll suddenly become the sixth team in the conference. 
Caleb Mills, <clears throat> I mean, the, you're right. The way this is going is is almost like he was a first-team All-American player. You have an All-American player on this team. David Jones will be on one of the teams. You have an All-American player who hasn't gotten hurt, right? Who's there? Caleb Mills is a loss. There's no question about it. But it is a crutch. If they're going to keep going back to that. This team should have been able to overcome that loss if they're that deep a team as everybody imagined they were. I still think there's a team that's, at times, certain players don't play hard enough, don't care enough, and that's what Penny has brought up in especially the last few games, especially after that SMU game. And we will see what happens tonight when it comes to lineups and when it comes to just rotation and whether players will be kept out. But again, to I know they didn't just recognize it, but to now do something about it this late, it's not over as far as the season is concerned. It's going to be very, very hard to turn things around. But Well, they're certainly capable of it, but there's right. no reason to believe it will happen. But drastic they're, measures they're, is what are needed. They've given you no indication that they it will happen. Drastic measures are what, what is needed, but is the drastic measure starting Joe Cooper, the walk-on? Because he played hard the other day? I mean, he's trying to prove himself. I give him a lot of credit. Players should always play hard. But in this day now of NIL, when you're getting money, maybe you don't play as hard. So, you know, would I rather have Quinterly in there than Joe Cooper or whoever starts, assuming that JQ is not starting? And I don't know that. I, I, I don't, I'm not privy to that information. I would say, no, I, I want JQ because I think JQ still gives you a better chance to win a game. He has won games for this team. But I do understand the coach. If that's what he wants to do, that's his prerogative. I have no problem with Penny sitting players or not playing players because he feels they're not giving the effort. That is, I'm all for it. But what you can't do is turn around three minutes into the game, bring the guy back in. There's no way the guy has absolutely learned the lesson that is being taught from the coach. Again, I thought the last time he did that. In the end, Quinterly played the most minutes on the team. And the guy who started in his place played five minutes. Yeah, it was North Texas, by the way, when he said that about Caleb after North Texas. Oh, well, okay. Yes. I knew he's. I knew he brought it up at one of them. I couldn't remember which one it was. I'm, you know, I was in Hawaii and didn't know what day it was, so I didn't know what. Couldn't remember which one. I but I remember reading that quote that he brought up Caleb Mills, and I thought to myself, okay, now we're gonna here we go. Now we're gonna go down the Caleb Mills excuse path. I can't. That's even, our next. I can't that's even the imagine. next out. I can't even imagine if they don't win this game tonight. And it's certainly a game they can lose. I mean, everybody understands that. But if they don't win that game tonight, like, what do you say after that game? You just talked about Monday being the best, one of the best practices they've had all season. You're going to supposedly adjust lineups and play only the guys that care. I, I can't even imagine what he would say after the game tonight and what our conversation will be on the show tomorrow. If you're not going down to the game tonight, uh, you want to watch the game, well, you can do that over at East Coast Wings and Grill. You could watch the game while enjoying some great food, like their great wings or maybe one of their burgers or flatbreads, any of that great food on the menu over there. Of course, enjoying some great drinks as well. They've got it all for you at East Coast Wings and Grill. Again, the games will be on the TV there, uh, from the Tigers game to any other action that's going on that you want to watch. They'll have it for you at East Coast Wings and Grill. They've got 17 TVs for you to watch all of that action. Plus, they got the wings, 60 different 
different flavors for you to choose from. They got draft beers, 24 of them on tap, including many of the local beers, plus any other beers and drinks that you want. They've got you taken care of. Happy hour from 3.30 until 6.30. Includes two for one of the draft beers and bucket specials and more. Of course, with Wednesday being today, that means from 3.30 until close, kids eat for just $1.99. That's right, just $1.99 for kids with the purchase of an adult entree. That's every Wednesday from 3.30 until close. East Coast Wings and Grill, located just off Highway 64. Kate Hyde Boulevard, which runs right between Lowe's and Walmart there off Highway 64. That's where you'll find them, East Coast Wings and Grill. Very interesting story from NBCSports.com on NFL players and gambling and the changes they want. We'll get to that in our final segment. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. So I saw the story. It was on NBCSports.com, but it was from Bill King of the Sports Business Journal uh, doing a story about gambling in the NFL. Uh, It reads, the NFL's delicate money grab finger wag about gambling has created plenty of confusion and consternation. The ensuing do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do vibe has sparked discontent among players who are subject to rules that seem inconsistent and nonsensical. For that reason, NFL players plan to push for a change to the rules prohibiting wagers on sports other than NFL football. I feel like the rules are outdated, said Falcons defensive end Calais Campbell. There was a time when it made sense, but now with technology and being able to bet on baseball or basketball on your phone, I don't understand why just because I'm in a locker room or on a Wednesday or whatever that I can't pick up my phone and bet. Nobody wants to have a guy betting on football. That's not okay. But you know with technology the way it is, and you can tell exactly what people are betting on, and you know it has nothing to do with the integrity of the game, why not give us this opportunity to be able to make money when we're doing that as a league? How about just for the fun of it? make money, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, said it from the beginning when these suspensions came out. Like the idea that you can't bet just because you're at a team facility is stupid. Like what, what does it matter where you are when you're betting? Like it doesn't there's no there's no logical reason to that that we don't want you betting in the team facility on a baseball game. Why? Who cares? Like what what does that matter? What what <laughs> I don't know why that rule would have ever come up in a discussion of, all right, here's our rules. We're not going to let them do it in the team facility. Right. Right. Why, somebody in the room should have been like, why? <laughs> like, who cares? Who cares where they physically are while they're placing a bet on their phone? What does that have to do with anything whatsoever? Like, it, I, I, I don't, I have no, I don't, I'll never understand why that rule would have ever possibly been put in. But that's part of the do as we say, not as we, we like, do so we, situation. If he walks out of the facility and walks off the property, like out to the street, he can place the bet and then he can turn around and walk right back into the facility? Like what? Like That's just so 
it's just dumb. Like it, there's no logical reason why that would be a rule of where you are when you place a bet matters. Uh, I I don't know I, the reasons, the rules don't make sense. All I know is gambling is now embraced. It's embraced by all the major sports. It's embraced by the networks. ESPN has it for goodness sakes. What once was taboo is no longer taboo. Um, again, the story goes on and on. It's very interesting, but he says that the players, you know, want to, to have change. So we'll see. Um, you know, maybe it's the concern of players, uh, accumulating debt, you know, becoming, um, becoming, you know, uh, what do you call it? Gamblers. Um, you know, addicted to it. And so that would cause problems uh, with them and their uh, their lives, their lifestyle, lifestyles, their families. I don't know. Maybe that's the, the worry about them gambling at all. But I don't but know. But again, they're not stopping from gambling. They're, they're just saying you can't do it in our facility. Well, I I mean, I need, I need to read the rest they, of this. They, 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 can, they can all be addicted gamblers without a problem. They just can't do it while they're in the facility. Like I, it, it, that, that rule makes... No sense whatsoever. But in this story, it says there's no valid reason why they should be prevented from betting on other sports, especially since they can do it in the offseason. Oh, it's only in the offseason when not in the facility. So it's during the season they can't do it. That's the argument here is that we should be able to bet basketball, football, no matter where we want to bet, even if it's outside the facility, but during the season that we're playing our sport. That's what the argument is. Fleet Feet, the place to go to get all your running gear. You want to make sure you get shoes that are just right for you. We'll go see the folks at Fleet Feet. Either one of their two locations, they'll take a look at the way you run or the way you walk, and they'll fit you with shoes that are just right for you. And then, of course, if any other gear that you need, they've got you taken care of for that as well. There are two locations in East Memphis. They're in the Laurelwood Shopping Center out in Collierville. They're at Poplar and Houston Levy next to Huey's. Either one of those two locations there to serve you. Go by and see the folks at Fleet Feet. You can also find them online, fleetfeetmemphis.com, where they keep you up to date with things going on that they've got going on, things like their group runs that you can become a part of. Of course, social media keeps you up to date with that as well with the folks at Fleet Feet. Thanks to Andy Borman, Jerry Palm, to Michael Cole for joining us on the program today. Tomorrow among our guests, Doc Holliday from Action News 5, who went to school with Penny Hardaway. I'll be interested to see what he has to say, interested to hear what he has to say about his good friend, especially with uh, whatever happens tonight against Charlotte. And then Drew Hill will join us as well from the Daily Memphian. He covers the Grizzlies and has written a terrific three-part series on Jaron Jackson Jr. I think two parts have dropped, the third one probably today. I'm not so sure, but we'll talk to Drew about that and uh, all things Grizzlies. That's coming up tomorrow, starting bright and early at 7 a.m. Waldo and Friends on Sports 56 is next, so stay tuned for that. For Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great Wednesday, everyone.